Hi, I'm Aaron and welcome to the Hip Hop Hustle podcast, where we explore, well, you guessed it, hip hop. I'll be interviewing the best artists in the game while also taking some time to appreciate some new and classic albums. Make sure you like and subscribe to the show and follow me on Instagram at the underscore hip hop hustle for any upcoming news and guests. Also, don't forget to check out my new Patreon under Hip Hop Hustle that will give you exclusive content and help me keep the show running and getting better. All right, let's get into it. Awesome. Welcome to the Hip Hop Hustle podcast. I'm with a great uh, up-and-coming artist, Only James. So if you haven't checked it out, please make sure you check him out on Spotify Make sure you check him out on YouTube as well. You've got some really cool visuals, actually. That was probably the one thing that I was, obviously, other than the music, it would be weird if I was only impressed by by the visuals, but not the music. But I was really impressed by the quality and, and the time you've put into actually getting the visuals ready as well as dropping the songs. How long has that been taking? Uh, I mean, it depends on, like, the cinematographer that I'm working with, you know, the director's. Um, honestly, the last one that I put out, Kill You, it was quick. Uh, I knew the director personally. Um, and so we, we've worked on a couple of things together. And so it was pretty quick. But before that, um, the one that I dropped at the end of 2020, uh, Sick, uh, that took a little longer, probably took probably about a couple of weeks to shoot. And then moving forward, it took probably another week to, to edit. So it, it took a little longer than usual. But I, I, I put a lot of time in my visuals because I I have a little bit of an acting background and I like visuals personally. So I put a lot of time and effort into my, my, my music videos, you know? Well, I think, you know, part of it is obviously you got to give something that looks good as well. Cause people love, I think these days, maybe it's underrated how much like music videos still play a part. Cause, but like for me personally, like I love going back to a music video where it's just like, it looks amazing. It sounds amazing. And together the end product is really the, the ideal situation. Exactly. Exactly. I think I can agree with that hundred percent. Well, where does your acting background come in? Uh, it, it, it really is. Um, my grandma used to like, when I was younger, she used to put me in acting classes. I took it from probably like five all the way up to like, I was like 14 and in high school, I was in part of the, the, plays and the musicals and you know I was even on a speech team in high school so uh I was I was really in the kind of the mix of of that side of the entertainment industry um heavily what made you move I mean that's the big question what made you go from acting and I guess like if you're doing theater because I did drama and like uh theater in high school as well so like I get that like well, I guess that's why I do this because I still love the attention of of others but like what was it that made you transition from acting to to music um i've always been a musician uh that's always been my passion i think that to be honest you know and and not to toot my own horn but i think that acting always came easy for me like it it was always a switch for me and so i think with music i actually had to strive to to be the artist that i've become you know i had to work towards it but i've always had the passion for music since i was young and I pretty much, you know, always had the two. And then I just kind of chose to stick with music more so moving forward. Was that like a, a pathway that was predetermined or was that like self-motivated? Like where did that choice come in? Uh, I think it was predetermined. I think that my, my gram, she, she wanted me to, to really pursue acting. And I think I was like, eh, 
I, I, I think I'm in more in love with the music, you know? And so uh, I think I stuck to the music more and I've been doing it for so long, honestly, longer than, than I, I, I came up with a different name. Like only Jame only was been around since 2015, you know? Uh, but before I was, I was going by a whole completely different name. And I have YouTube videos up from those days. And that was back in high school. So, so I mean, the it's, it's, it feels like to me, you've always had the artistic vision inside you though. Like it was mm-hmm. never really a plan to go and get, you know, quote unquote, a real job. But did you ever feel like you would go down that pathway of like, you know, getting a real job or was this always like, you know what, I'm a creative? Yeah, no, I, I've never been. You know, it, I mean, when you're when you're in school, they they push those things, right? They push to to go to school, to go to higher education, and and I did attempt college, um, but then I dropped out. So like those were things that I I just found out it just wasn't for me. You know, you I always knew it wasn't for me. Like this is where my passion lies. You know what I'm saying? This is what I am and who I am. Like completely. You know, I don't think I ever really was like, oh yeah, I'm gonna be. A doctor. I think when I was ten, I wanted to be a firefighter at one time. So <laughs> I think we all go through that phase: firefighter, yeah. police officer, and doctor. Those are like the three that everyone goes, or maybe dinosaur as well. I think I wanted to be a dinosaur, <laughs> or something like that. <laughs> right. Exactly. What were you studying in uh, in college? Um, actually, I went to uh, Columbia College downtown Chicago. So it was like an artsy school. <laughs> it was an artsy school. So my major was music. I thought that was stupid because I'm like, I don't need this for music. You know, it was like music theory stuff. So I was like, ah, I don't really need this. And so I switched my major to be an acting major, which I was like, oh, this is so slow moving. And so I, after that, I was like, yeah, this is just not for me. So what was it that was it, was it was it the pacing? Was it what they actually taught? Because I feel like what we always want to do is just the fun shit. And that's like yes. perform, yeah. play. And what we don't want to know is like oh, the theory behind where you stand in a theater. And you're like, just let me get out there and perform. Yes, yes. I think that's really what it was. It was the pacing, really just uh, how slow you know, everything was moving and like music theory, it was taking super, super long for me. And I was like, oh, and then exactly the theater where you stand, the history. I was just like, yeah, I'm, I'm not in it. You know, I'm not in it. Well, do you think that, that, because part of me is like, well, learning music theory would be really helpful as an artist. But then again, you can almost like music is intuitive it should be, you know, coming from a place that's inside you and they can teach you certain skills, but ultimately when you create a piece of work, it should come from within rather than from, all right, I've learned everything and I'm going to make it all based on what I've learned. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, I, I felt like that. I felt like it was just too robotic and, and honestly, I learned music theory like in the last two years, actually on my own. And so like I understand it way better than when my professors were teaching it to me, you know, because it has come in handy when whenever I'm mixing or anything like that. So, I mean, but at the time I was just like, no, I just want to I want to record. I want to do this. I want to do that. And it was not matching up with what I wanted to do. And I started to feel like I was wasting a lot of time. You know what I'm saying? And I also think that sometimes you get, you know, professors and, you know, lecturers and tutors and they're like and you're like. Who are you? What did you do? 
You know what yeah. I mean? Like, oh, okay, you learnt the topic. I like. <laughs> I personally would prefer to learn from people who've succeeded in that given field. So, like, you know, learning in the studio would be the best place to learn because it's people in the industry who are like, all right, this is what I'm doing. And Google is the best. Like, just honestly, you can Google half the shit that they tell you and there are going to be people that disagree with what they tell you anyway. Exactly. Exactly. Honestly, honestly, I've learned so much outside of school. I can't even begin to tell you. Like, I've learned just so much that actually applies to whatever I'm doing in my life currently whether it's marketing or learning how to market with my management or just all those things. Like, you know, even shooting videos, like a couple of the videos I've shot myself. Like, I mean, obviously I had someone behind the camera shooting for me, but like I set up the camera and I edited it and, you know, those different things I learned outside of school, you know, and whenever I'm shooting on a big production, like sick, um, I'm able to talk to the cinematographers or the eighties or any of, any of the people there and understand what's actually going on. I could speak their language and still try to give out whatever I'm trying to do in my head or whatever try to vision I'm trying to portray, you know? Yeah, definitely. But do you think that like at school creativity isn't fostered enough? Like I know you, you, everyone has the classes, like you can take the class, but like for me personally at my school, it was like academics driven and sport driven and I, I was a swimmer back in the day. So that, that helped me at school, but like the creative side of who I am as a person really didn't come out until like a little bit later, because I don't think a lot of schools are good at, you know, fostering that, like going, Oh, you're a fantastic musician or you're a fantastic drawer or an artist, whatever it might be. They're just not good at giving you the forum to explore that. Yeah, yeah, I, I definitely believe that. And at Columbia, it was weird. I remember um, in freshman orientation, uh, I think it was the principal or something. She told us, like, she said that all of, like, most of you guys have talent. That doesn't make you special. And then she went on to say, like, commitment does. <laughs> and so, mm. like, I remember that. And I actually carry that. I think that was the best thing I took from Columbia, you know, because I see so many people who had the same dreams as me and doing the same things. And I saw them fall off. You know, I see them doing this job or that job or this job, you know, life hit them. And I just feel like I've stayed on this course, no matter what, you know, no matter how ugly things have gotten, I've, I've continued on. And I think that that's the difference between people who make it and the people who don't, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, at first I was like, what the fuck? that's the first thing they say to you when you start that like you're all talented, but it counts for shit. But <laughs> then when you broke it down, I was like, actually the meaning behind it is a good message. I just imagined, you know, a stern person just getting up there and going, you all suck. We're going to make you, if you don't, we're going to break you essentially. But like, I do agree that at some point talent can only take you so far. And then it's mm -hmm. the hard work that will, will carry you the rest. Like, I think everyone sees it in sport. I think sports, the biggest one is like, you see someone who's killing it in the juniors, then they get to the A grade. And they just can't hack it because they're not putting in the hours that's required. Exactly. Exactly. I know she, she was stern, very stern person. And, uh, I couldn't, uh, I still remember her face. You know, that was one of the things I could remember about Columbia, the, the partying and, definitely the, her face like and how stern she was you know but 
she's done that. You know, I don't know who she was and 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 what she accomplished, but she's obviously a principal of a school or a dean of a school. You know, a big college actually. Well, it clearly stuck with you. So what? It it worked. Obviously, yeah. it worked. So can't fault it. But in terms of your music itself, like because to me, you're not and like a traditional hip hop artist. You've got a, a skill set that is quite broad in the sense that you can really vocalize and you can rap as well. But how would you describe your own music to someone who's never listened to it before? You know, that's, a, that's honestly a hard question for myself. And maybe I need to sit and dwell some more, but I feel like it's hard because I can't put myself in the box. You know, like, because once I do that, I feel like I limit myself from what I can really, really do. You know, like a lot of the music that I put out, you know, um is a lot of the music that i make in general um is all over the place it's all over the place like sometimes it'll be more r&b sometimes it'll be more alternative sometimes it'll be hip-hop you know what i'm saying and i feel like i feel like at this point in time with music i feel like it's okay it's okay to do that it's okay to kind of venture off and go in different lanes and and that's why it's hard for me to be like, look, I'm just this or I'm just that. So it'd be it's kind of hard to, to tell someone like because a lot of people ask me, like, what type of music do you make? You know, I'll meet someone and they're like, oh, what type of music do you make? Because I heard this song and I heard this song. And I'm like, ah, I don't really know. You can't really put me in a box. You know what I'm saying? And so I, I don't know. I'll, I'll let the media do that for me. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'm just going to keep creating, really. Do you find that it comes through waves though, that you're like, oh, I f- I'm feeling this period. Like I'm just doing this for this period and then a switch. And it's like, oh, I'm feeling, how do you manage that? And also, I mean, the hard part is like, you know, marketing to your audience because your audience, you know, they're expecting something that they potentially have gotten a preview of before. So how do you actually give them something completely different without kind of losing a few fans while you're at it? You know, that's, that's, that's another thing. Like a lot of my fans there, I have a, like a hard split and I think they notice it as well as I notice it um, is that I have a set of fans that are really, really into my alternative stuff, like my more rock stuff, my more, you know, XX Tentacion, Juice World vibe type of thing, right? They they they're more into that side, and then I have a lot of my fans who are really into the hip hop side. You know what I'm saying? The melodic rapping or just rap side. And I feel like I see this all the time. They'll comment, they'll or they'll DM me, and they'll be like, "Oh, can you release more stuff like this? Or can you release stuff like that? Or I like your rap shit. You shouldn't sing anymore." You know, I hear that a lot, and I just feel like people are so open-minded now it's like if you're a hip-hop listener you're probably a a listener of other other types of genres now so it's not so cut and dry as it used to be like if you used to just listen to hip-hop that was all you listened to like you didn't really listen to you know country or you didn't listen to alternative rock but now rappers are doing that and I just feel like fans are still are open-minded now and I feel like my fans are those people. They are open-minded to the sound of Jane in general, rather than just like, oh, I only like hip hop or I only like alternative. You know what I'm saying? I think that's a good point. I mean, I'm not one of those people. I listen to like 99% of my music is hip hop, but it makes sense with the type of podcast I've got. Um, 
you would be surprised if I was like, hell yeah, country music is the best. Um, but <laughs> I've the odd the odd random song in my in my playlist. But I think you know I think it's a it's a smart move. And for me personally, I think you know branding it as you rather than a genre of music is almost better. That you're like, hey, you can follow my career and you can follow me, and this is all that I'm capable of doing. And if it's not for you, it's not for you. But rather than you know I am X type of artist, you can just be you know, your your own type of artist. You've got your own kind of genres that you play in. Exactly, exactly. That's that's pretty much where I'm at. I, I can't limit myself because I'm not like that as a person. You know, I don't like to limit myself of what I can do. And I've been doing this music thing so long that honestly, in myself, if I was to just do one genre, I would get bored. I would get bored. I would get tired. And if I'm bored, then I know you're going to be bored. You know what I'm saying? What I'm saying? I feel like I'm opening the doors for myself to 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 grow and to be able to do courageous things in my career. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. No, man, I, I agree. I think you got to, you know, take ownership. And the good thing is like your fans, like you, you take them with a grain of salt because some of them will be like, this is the best shit ever. You're the best rapper alive or you're the best artist alive. And then others will be like, you suck. You're the worst, but it's like, I'm neither of those two. You know yes. what I mean? Like, you you know that you're not you know Biggie Tupac level Drake level, but you right. also know that you're not trash. So it's like you know you take you find the middle ground. Like if someone's like, "Oh, Aaron, your podcast is as good as Joe Rogan," I would be like, "Well, I'm not so sure about that." You know what I mean? So it's like you just take it. It's part of the flow, and as long as you've got your vision long term, then that's all that really matters. You just keep doing the vision and that consistency and fans will come. That's the thing. Like fans yes. will like the music. Exactly. Exactly. I, you know, it's something that people don't really understand. People don't get it. Like it's, it's really easy if you stick to being you uh, and, and it sounds really cliche, but if you just do you, people will come and just fan because like it, there's, there's room for anybody to, to really do this. There's room for everybody. Really. There, it doesn't matter how many artists, but, even you, like, I'm sure you don't listen to the same hip hop artists in your, on your playlist. It's not just Tupac. It's not just Biggie. It's a list of different people. So you're a fan of multiple artists and, and the same goes for fans. They can be fans of Drake and Travis Scott or whoever, but they can also be friends of Drake, Travis Scott, and only Jane, you know what I'm saying? At the same time, you know? And so I, I don't really feel, you know, like that. Well, yeah, I mean, something I do with one of my close friends who used to be on the podcast, uh, Danny, uh, we used to review hip-hop albums and it used to be the Slim Fitty and Biggie Committee it was us three uh, and Matt and three white guys just reviewing albums and then it expanded into this. But we still go for drives and literally are like, Oi, have you heard this song? Have you heard this artist? And we'll show each other music because it's like part of being a fan of music is like, finding new stuff like to me if you don't listen to new things or you're not exploring and trying to find new music then you're not a fan you're only a fan of like a very limited selection but if you're like actually going oh who is that that is sick then you're you know i think it's just the journey of being a fan you just got to find new shit that you like exactly honestly honestly and you know that's that's where i'm at i'm I'm in the, I want to build a following that's always going to be here. 
Like that's what I care about. Um, I care about a following that that genuinely loves only Jane, and that's what I I care about. Like everything that I do on my platform is really just for myself, but also for them. You know what I'm saying? Because I know they came here, they they spend money, they spend their time, you know, and so I want to make sure that they're happy always. You know what I'm saying? Is there, have you had like a comment from a fan that stuck with you? Is there like a DM or, or something that you, you've spoken to a fan that's like kind of just sat with you and was like, yeah, this is why I do what I do? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's super personal, but I guess uh, there was this fan. Uh, I get this, I get these DMs a lot because because I make emotional music. Um, and so um, a fan tried to, they told me the story. They said that, they tried to kill themselves because she said her boyfriend broke up with her and she like, I guess she hit herself on a car. She stood in, in the street and hit herself and she was in the hospital and all she was listening to was my music, you know? And I thought oh. that, <laughs> I thought that was a lot, you know? And I thought that I can't believe that that's what you're doing to cope right now. She's like, I still miss him and I still want to be with him. And it's like your music is helping me through this. And she's in the hospital listening to my music, you know, and I just I can't believe you just got hit by a car and you're telling me this. And I just you know, those are the things that I remember when shit is ugly for me. You know what I'm saying? When shit is ugly, I'm like, yo, there's people who are just pressing play and feeling something from something that I I wrote on the couch. You know what I'm saying? And so that that was that was something uh, that that definitely will always stick with me. So where were you when you read this? Like, what was the context for you? I w- I honestly was just, I was here at the studio and I was just sitting here and I'm just going through, I like to message them in waves because I'm so busy. And so sometimes they'll, just, I, I like to message my fans. I like to have some type of communication. And so I'll take a, some time, like an hour or two to message the fans as often as I can. And so I was just kind of going through it. And then it, it, I, I was just shocked. I was just shocked. And I, I couldn't believe what I was reading. And, you know, it, it, I, I even went because this was a this was a fan off the Facebook page. So I even went to her Facebook and I saw that she was really in a hospital. You know, people were saying, get well and all these things. It was it was crazy. It was crazy to actually see. And she's telling me that she's listening to my music to help her cope. I, I, I just couldn't believe it. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, I think when anyone make, makes anything, that's not the impact that you can imagine that your creation has on somebody else's life. Like I, it's just one of the, it, even for me it would be, I'm speechless right now. And if you know, any of anyone close to me, I'm not speechless very often, but like, it's, it's just one of these things where it's like your creativity helps others. And so if nothing more, then that should be a really big motivating message. And the thing is, you're right. In, and of course you're right. You're making the music, but it's not the the standard hip hop content. It is very much like deep. It's about relationships. It's about a lot of mindset stuff, but how do you get into that mindset to be able to make that music? Um, I, I first and foremost go within myself. Um, it, I never talk about it if I haven't like personally experienced it or I haven't experienced someone else experiencing it. You know what I'm saying? What I'm saying? So like, it's never just like, just from my imagination, you understand what I'm saying? And so um, I think I'm really good at being empathetic uh, and, and understanding uh, of putting myself in someone else's shoes 
So like, I'm really good at that. I think that's also another part of my acting side, like to be able to form and become someone else. And so I think that's, that's one of the ways that I'm so open and can talk from different perspectives um, in, in, in a music way and an art and, and make it art, you know? Do you ever feel like, you know, with when in your in the creative process, do you ever feel like you're sharing too much or you're you're being, you know, do you ever have those moments where you're like, I'm not sure I want to share that much and you pull back a little? Like, what is that process like? Because, you know, for me personally, even talking, I'm like, there are parts where I'm like, I'll share this, but I'll maybe keep this hidden or I just won't share it yet until I'm ready. I think when I first started my music career, yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I was, you know, because who's listening, mom, dad, you know, friends. And I think that initially, yes, absolutely. But as I've grown, I've grown a a fan base and they don't know me on a personal level. I think that they just relate more when I'm more vulnerable. Like honestly, just being vulnerable has gave me so much more, room to really really express myself and it just it makes it you you can feel it more you can feel it when it's like really just all there and so like I think in the beginning yes but now I am just very very open in what I'm saying and sometimes it'll come off outlandish don't be surprised a couple years from now someone's like oh he said this in a song (laughs) you know because I'm I'm just going to express myself how I know how to and that's to just be vulnerable now you know is there a mind, do you have to like get ready for that or is it just a feeling? Do you get like, what's the process like to, to be able to number one, write, And then also once you've written to get in the booth and still make sure your energy was matching when you were writing. Um, I think first and foremost, I like, I'm, I, I'm like one of those people that have to be by themselves when they're, when they're writing, especially when they're writing like more of the emotional stuff, like, it's because like I feel like, you know, like I've had girls that I've talked to in the past, you know, try to sit in on my sessions and I just didn't want them to. Not necessarily because I didn't want them to hear me recording. Obviously, I want to show off or whatever, but it's more so the sense of like this is like me writing, saying my diary out loud. I'm basically opening my diary and I'm screaming out loud to a microphone in it. And that is why I just rather you not be here while I do that. When you, if you hear it in the song, that's different than when I'm just actually hear myself saying these things. I feel like you're listening to my, my, my inner thoughts. And so um, I just feel like once I get into that, that mode of no one's here, I'm by myself. I, you know, I just open my diary and I go, that's kind of how I, how I, how I do it. That's the process for me. Do you, well, do you keep a diary? Like I know a lot of people, they found that, you know, keeping a diary is actually helpful. I know, I mean, you for people who listen to this, he's smiling and, and laughing at the question. So I'm assuming no, but like a lot of people do keep diaries purely because it like helps them. I think maybe because you're expressing it already, you don't need to, but a lot of people, you know, they get home at the end of the day and they'll write something down because it helps them get the thoughts out. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't keep a diary. Like you said, <laughs> it's more so it's more so the, the music uh, for me. Like that's my expression in my way. You know, I say the things in the music and obviously like that's like you just saying it out loud. Yeah, yeah, I know. But it's a little different for me. Like, you know, me as a person and only James, it's it's two different things for me. Like I listen back to my music as a fan as well. Like I'm a fan of myself 
first and foremost. You know, if I don't like it, I'll never release it, you know? Um, so any songs that you've heard, I actually like it before I, I drop it. I would hope so, to be honest. Yeah. If there was an artist who was like, I don't like my music, I'm like, I think you're in the wrong industry. If you yeah. don't like the shit that you're releasing, it's like a chef who doesn't like their own food. Like, bro, get the fuck out of the kitchen. Yes, yes. I'm, I mean, I've met, I've run across some people who are who are signed and, you know, they have to release certain certain songs that they're not too fond of. And I don't want to be that. You know, I don't want to be that. Like, they're, they release stuff, oh, it's radio. You know, and they don't want they don't want to release it. They're like, ah, I'm not feeling it. But you know, their labels push them to do that, and uh, I don't really like that at all. So I'm assuming you're an independent artist now, because obviously no one tells you what to do. But would you sign to a label at some point? Um, it depends on the deal. Uh, I'm I've I was raised in in a way where I understand uh, a lot. Um, like my family has taught me a lot and you know my my grandfather um i probably should have sent you sent you this before the interview uh my grandfather has some celebrity status back in the 1970s um he was a singer himself um he went by the name of shibboleth uh and he he was actually signed himself um and so he has no money now uh because the labels have fucked them over, you know what I'm saying? And so like my grandma has taught me a lot about these things. And so I understand that if it's not a good deal, I wouldn't take it because I understand that like, I don't want to be owned and I don't want to also owe people back for the hard work that I put into this, you know? Yeah. I think that makes a lot of sense, but you know, uh, it, it seems like you really have been taught, but like, so what happened with your grandfather? So obviously you kind of, touched on it but is what from your perspective obviously you would have heard some stories but like what was the lesson that you learned and what was the actual like events um well at the time he was you know he was on the radio and this is before all the streaming platforms so that's why it's hard because he's he's passed away at this point but um he uh at he was on the radio. He was doing tours. It, everything was going good. And, you know, they had a nice house. My grandma was telling me everything was such a great time, but he really never owned anything. You know, it was none of it was his. It was all owned by the label. And so um, after a while, as he started getting older, because they just used to cycle people in, from what I understand, they just used to like you were young. You can you have some talent. We're going to cycle you in. You're going to make this money for us and we're going to cycle someone else. in. And so they kind of just like kind of just got old, you know, and uh, they kind of kicked him to the curb. And then, you know, they're like, oh, you owe us this. So we need the house back. We need the cars back. We need all of that back. And uh, he lost it. all. He lost it all. And so now it's um, so now he he has nothing like the they the label still owns um, his records. Uh you can still go on Amazon and grab them or you can go on YouTube. You know, some people still listen to those records, but uh, I mean, yeah, he doesn't have any money. My grandma's not getting any money from it. And, and so that was, that was hard. I think that was hard for my grandma to swallow. And I definitely was hard for him to swallow, but this was way before my time. I think it was before my mom's time. So um, I, uh, I kind of just, that's, the, that's what I know from it. Wow. I think, yeah, I think now, as artists and people in the industry are way more aware of the power that labels can have over artists. So people these days, you know, they'll come in with their own lawyers and they'll make sure that, you know, 
all the checks and balances are there and not that it's weighted to one side because, I mean, you hear it all the time and it was happening in the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, still happening today. I mean, you know, you have Britney Spears is a good example of like what happened with her and she just got control back over her own money of all these things, right? So it's like, you know, it doesn't matter how good you are as an artist, the stuff that's important you got to make sure you have the right people around you. Exactly. Exactly. Well, man, I think you, you are doing a pretty good job and, you know, for you, obviously you've got the history of art in your family. Like you've got that, you know, you've got your, your grandfather and then your, your grandmother as well, pushing you into, you know, being an actor as well. But did you feel the pressure growing up from like the historically pretty successful uh, art family? Uh, well, my, my grandfather's a way, way, way better singer than I am. Um, so like, I mean, I, I felt like I always used to tell him like, oh, like I want to sing like you when I get older. And he's just like, you just got to keep singing. That's what you always say to me. And so that's, I feel like that was the only pressure I've ever felt. My grandma was lighthearted with the acting thing. Like, when I started to get older and I started to hate it, she would make me go. And so, but I was more so just distracted. I was a distracted preteen teenager and I wanted to just go and hang out with my friends, but she would want me to still go to these acting classes, you know? And um, I don't know. I think th that's about as much pressure as I felt. Um, I think more so I put more pressure on myself nowadays. You know what I'm saying? Like, I feel like because social media is all around you and you see this artist popping up and that artist popping up and you see all these things it's like am i working hard enough am i not doing enough am i you know and you shouldn't really do that and to anybody who's listening who is an artist i i recommend that you don't do that to yourself because you have your own lane and you have your own path and you know you're gonna get what you want um in your way and and you know and i and I, I'm ha I have a hard time, especially last year, I think I was having a hard time just kind of coping with, with that. But I think I've overcome it and I'm in a different place today. I agree. I think it's really hard seeing success of others when you're going through a difficult period and everyone does it. You know, you go on IG and you see everyone flashing and everyone, you know, they've got this deal, that deal, I'm releasing this, I'm doing that. You know, you go on TikTok, same thing. Right. So I think it's important to understand your journey. And, you know, I go through that where I'm like, I'm not growing as quickly as I would like, or, you know, things aren't happening as quickly as I would like. And I'm comparing myself, but you just got to, you know, trust the, the process because at the end of the day, you just got to do your best. And eventually over time, it'll all come. Exactly. Exactly. And I, and I trust that. I trust the process. I trust my talent and dedication. Let me ask you this. What do you do outside of music? Obviously, you know, we all do this, but then how do you, you know, live life again? You know, you go through that somber period where you're writing. It's really emotional. It's heartfelt. How do you get back to like, you know, enjoy life again and like kind of distract yourself at moments from, you know, the intensity that really is the music industry? Um. You know, I, I, a joke they used to make about me back in high school was that I was a black Troy Bolton from a high school musical because um, I was a captain of the football team as well. And uh, I was an athlete. So um, 
one of the things that I do outside of outside of music is I play I still play flag football um like it's an I, I travel to do it so like I'm pretty dedicated to doing it on the side it's a different outlet for me um you know it's it's not something that I necessarily share with my fans uh it's kind of just personal you know it's a I get to just go be me there you know what I'm saying like I get to just go be me and you know, not think about music and not think about the stresses that come with it. And I kind of just go do that, you know, because um, I don't I personally don't smoke and, and drink anymore. So um, that is my outlet. Like that is my way. Um, and then um, I'm like I'm close, but I'm not close to my family. You know, it depends. Maybe in the holidays I'm close to them and then the rest of the year I'm not. And so um, I, I hang out with a lot of my homies, a lot of my homies, a lot of homegirls and you know, those are things that that I do outside. I, I pretty much just play sports and, and hang out with homies, you know, um, because most of the time I'm literally saying like 99.9% of the time I'm working. I'm working on some type of content, whether it's a video, whether it's a song, I'm always doing this. And and that's why I know I'm, I'm built for it. I'm built for the long run because I do this like seriously and I enjoy it. Yeah. How come you stop? drinking and smoking uh i i think i think when when i stopped it's because of uh the first time for smoking i i stopped smoking just because of sports itself um they started testing when i became on when i got on the varsity they started testing heavily and uh i think i stopped and then when i went to college i started back up again and uh i don't know it just wasn't the same as it was when i was in high school and um but i stayed drinking for a while and i think when i moved out to california i was just like yeah i'm pretty much done with drinking as well you know it's a it was not really any big life changes like this happened and now i'm just done smoking and drinking it was just more so like i just decided that's what i wanted to do you know um was it difficult to stop or was it just like a switch that you were turn it off uh I think in high school, yes, because all my friends were um, the group that I hung out with outside of sports were. And I think it was really, really hard, you know, because, you know, especially at that age, you want to just fit in with everybody. You want to make everybody happy. And I think that that was difficult. And in college, I think that's why I went back, because all of my roommates smoked, you know, all of my roommates smoked. And the girls were always like, oh, can you smoke me down, you know, and so it's just like you just all in the mix of that. And I think that the outside influence kind of kept me in it rather than it just being hard because of the drug itself. Well, I think uh, one of the big challenges for everybody is peer pressure of like, mm. you know, your friends doing it. So you do it, even though you don't love it, like, but as long as you, you just got to make the right choice for you. And, you know, one of my, favorite hip hop artist and one of the people I look to 50 cent, he doesn't do drugs and he doesn't drink very much. Royce to five, nine, he's been sober for a long time. So, you know, if you want to be sober, you can be, that's, yeah. I think, I think people get misinterpreted that like being an artist, you have to also enjoy doing drugs and you have to enjoy drinking alcohol. You can do all those things, but it doesn't, mm -hmm. they don't flow. You don't have to, if you don't want to, if it's not the right thing for you. Exactly. Exactly. And that's, that's just where I'm at. You know, um, it, I don't really have, I don't talk about it too much in my music, you know, maybe, maybe sometimes, you know, because I can still relate to stories of, 
you know, a lot of girls that I interact with still do drugs, you know what I'm saying? So like, it's still around, but I'm just at a place where I don't think that outside influence me anymore. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I, at the end of the day, it's, it's whatever suits you and whatever preference you've got. But I was going to ask you, cause you said you went through a, a challenging period. How was COVID and how was this whole period? Obviously, you know, for me, uh, we just got out of lockdown. Um, so we've been in lockdown for another 70 days. Like we haven't, we've had an IPM curfew, but how's it been for you over the past couple of years with COVID and the challenges and also still wanting to record music and make music videos? Um, during COVID, um, like I'm, I'm typically like, I'm actually like more of like a private person. Like, so I'm an extrovert, but I'm private, if that makes any sense. Um, so like, um, I'm, I'm willing to go up to you and talk to you as a person, but I'm also just really private. Like I like to just keep my circle small as well. And so when COVID was happening, it, it was hard because I like to go talk to people. Um, but it also was, it was okay for me because I, while I was private, I got to work on music. I got to develop my craft. I got to do those things. But I think it was hard because it was a lot of things going on with my family more so like, you know, like dealing with, you know, my mom being sick and and, you know, just all those types of things. And, and the struggle over there back in Chicago, I think that that was like that was difficult for me, really, like dealing with all the family stuff. And I, I you know, just being here, I'm I'm like in this world and they're back in the world in Chicago. And I'm like, I wish I could help more, you know. Yeah. So how do you manage that? Obviously, because they're obviously looking to you for support and you're, um, you're in LA. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So you're in LA, they're in Chicago, but how do you, how do you bridge that gap? Uh, it's, it's honestly difficult because I feel like they don't understand the world that I live in. And, and, and I think like, I can tell when I have conversations with mom, you know, she doesn't know how to approach situations anymore. And so, like, I, I really try to bring them in and, and, you know, inform her and my stepdad and, like, you know, kind of keep them in the loop, you know, because they're like, oh, why are you so, like, you don't talk to us, you know? And I'm just like, man, I'm, I'm really busy and I'm trying to do my best, you know, to, to change up the situation back home because it's, it's not the best. You know, understand what I'm saying? And so um, I think I think sometimes it's hard, but I, I do go visit them. Um, I'm actually heading to Chicago uh, tomorrow. So I'll see them when I'm out there. Nice. What, well, what age did you move to LA? Um, well, I, uh, I had a, a PR uh, who, was, who was based out here in LA and he was telling me a lot of things like, oh, you know, you should come here because I feel like your sound would be much better appreciated here in Los Angeles. Um, because at the time, that was when, when I was still in Chicago, drill music was like the height was, was at its height, you know, it was at its peak. And, and, um, and I kind of was like, not in that lane, you know, and that's what everybody was listening to in Chicago. And, you know, his name was Jeremy Cohen. And he told me like, man, you know, your, your sound is different. And I like your different sound, but I feel like people out here are not going to appreciate it as much as people back in Los Angeles. And so he was like, I think you should make that move, you know, um, and so I did, I, I pretty much made that move. Um, and then he introduced me to one person and introduced me to another. And then I ran into my manager and like, we, we started working with them. They're 
that's Vivid Candy, which is based out in uh, Malibu. And so like, that's kind of, that's kind of where like the, the circle and the domino effect kind of happened. Have you seen the effect of moving to LA? Like, have you seen the difference in terms of the growth? Most definitely. And the weirdest thing about it is that people in Chicago have shown me more support <laughs> since I moved out here, you know, and, uh, and, and gained the audience out here. And it's, it's kind of crazy. Do you know what it might be? It's like, you know, you're representing Chicago, but in a foreign place where it's yeah. like you're representing us. So we're going to support you because you're like out in the big bad world in a weird way. It's like, yeah. it's like when an Australian actor only does Australian movies and everyone's like, nah, they're okay. And then as soon as they do feature films in the US, it's like, yeah, hell yeah, they're Australian. And literally it nothing changed other than they're doing a movie in a different country or they're doing it in like a different realm. So I feel like that could be it is like you you took a jump that a lot of artists weren't willing to do or weren't able to do and now you're representing them. Yeah, yeah, that and then that makes all the sense and it's just it's crazy though. You know, it's crazy to just think about. But like yeah, my biggest my biggest um audience is out in Chicago and in LA. LA is number 1 and then Chicago is number 2. So um, those are two cities that um, we're actually going to be playing on. We're going to be doing shows there uh, early January out in Chicago, as well as here in LA. Well, have you had a chance to do any shows recently or has it been a little while since shows? Yes, it has been. Um, the last show that I did was uh, at the end of 2019. And so it's been a while, you know? And so it's like, I, we've we were we were thirsty we had a, a list we were going to do like a mini tour here in california and um we right when covid happened it was like no we can't and so this whole year we had to redo things and re-get things in order and so in 2022 we're going to be doing that again and kind of moving around and doing shows more well man i can only imagine what it'll feel like doing the first show back how rusty could feel and just like the nerves, because like most people are nervous anyway, just yes. to, the, there's a saying, I think most people are scared, more people are scared of public speaking than they are of death. So <laughs> I, think that's a, it's a, I think it's a Jerry Seinfeld joke, but that is, I think that's actually true that more people are scared of getting up in front of a crowd and talking to them or, you know, performing than they are of actually dying. So I can only imagine what it would be like just to get the, you know, dust the cob cobwebs off again. Um, yeah. Like, I f do you have like a prep that you're going to do or is there anything that you're going to kind of make sure that you're, you're ready to go or is it just, you just got to do it. You just got to get out there and kind of see what happens. Well, at the, uh, at the end of November, we're going to start rehearsals. Um, and so, I think that'll help me a little bit um, just starting rehearsals and then just remembering that everybody's there for me. You know, I think that's, that's the number one thing. Like remember that they're there for you. And so just really just be the best me I could be, you know what I'm saying? And, and express myself the best that I can and give them a good show, give them what they paid for, you know? And so that's, I think that's what I'm, I'm pretty much going to focus on and keep myself, you know, because no matter what, no matter what it is, it can be something small. If it's important to me, I'll get nervous about it. You know, I'll get the little butterflies. It, it can be a 300 person show or it can be a 3000 person show. I know for a fact, I'm going to 
get nervous right before it happens, you know, just because I care. And I feel the exact same way. When I was performing, when I was doing on stage, didn't matter how well I know my lines and I could have killed it a hundred times in practice. I'm always nervous before because I want it to go well. Same thing with these. Like I'm always like, this could go really badly. I could, we could just not get along. You could get annoyed at one of the questions, whatever it is. It's like all those inner critic moments where you're just like, just before you're like, have I done enough? And then once you start it all, it all just works out. But I mean, the, the other thing is I've all artists that I've spoken to, they're like, just accept that things are going to happen throughout the show. Things are yeah. just going to fuck up and just go with it. You can't control it all. And if the music doesn't work, I've had some that are like, yeah, the, the machine stopped or the lights went out, whatever it is, you just got to adapt and make the most of it. That's really what you have to do. That is exactly what you have to do. That is actually happening to on a live show. Like I was doing a live show and like the stream stopped or something else stopped. It was, it was crazy. And I was just like, you know, I was trying really hard to keep the show going, but it was, it was difficult. Yeah. It's, it's rough. And I've done a lot of these and the internet cuts out. I've had people drop out in the middle of a conversation and then that's it. That's it's done. You just gotta, you just gotta make it work. Like it just happens. Um, but you know, but that the, they make you better as an artist. They make you better as a performer, and you then can continue to trust yourself and trust that you know what I overcame this challenge. Maybe I didn't do it in the best way, but I got through it, and the audience didn't mind either. So that means that next time I'll only get through it better, or I know what to avoid. All these things. Exactly. Exactly. Well, man, I only have one more question for you, and it's probably the hardest question that I'm going to ask. It's, it's the only question I actually plan on the podcast, funnily enough. And it's, that's why it's the hardest. But uh, if you had to recommend one album that everybody listens to at least once to get an appreciation of, it doesn't have to be hip hop. It just cannot be your own. What would it be? I love the silence every time, every time. <laughs> who am I telling this to? Sorry, what'd you say? I said, who am I telling this to? My audience or anybody? Anybody. This is just, you think that anybody should listen to. There's no wrong or right answer. I've had every answer under the sun. I've had different genres. Um, I had someone mention a soundtrack from a musical, whatever it is. Uh, I would probably have to say, take care. Bye, Drake. That's that's where it started for me, like where my whole like dynamic of everything shifted. I think at that time, I don't know anybody who wasn't quoting something from that album. I don't know if you remember in 2011, but there was like one like everybody. I don't care if you were black, white, Indian. Everybody was quoting something from that album. Yeah, I think that's that's what pushed hip hop to be mainstream. I think that album definitely changed the dynamic of where hip hop was going. Um, you know, the funnily enough, you're the first person to mention Drake on the podcast as an album to listen to. One of my personal favorites of Drake's was if you're reading this, it's too late. That was, that's my favorite project that he's ever done in my personal opinion that he's just got killers on that. And to be honest, it's his most hip hop 
album that he had, but the way he his bars and then also the beats that he chose, they just slap and they go really hard. But that was a great project. That definitely was a great project. That was a great project. I love if you're reading this is too late. But I, I felt like I think that's what made me a true Drake fan. Um is uh is the fact is take care, take care for sure. And I think that it has so much on that album. And there's and and if you want to hear stories or you want to relate to something or have someone tell your side of the story, I guess. Um uh, I think that that's an album you can do. I think there's a song on there for everybody to relate to, you know. Um, and so, yeah, that's that's an album I probably would say to listen to. Well, also, Drake is a good example of an artist who can do multiple genres. He plays in literally any genre you can think of, and he, he absolutely nails it as well in terms of those genres. Whether you are a fan of the genre itself or not, he does have this undeniable way of just being able to really adapt his voice and adapt his sound successfully, which is so rare. Like I don't see many artists being able to do it to the, in the way he's, he's able to do it. Exactly. And exactly. And I think that it goes back to kind of what you said um, about me, you know, you're saying be a fan of not the genre, but be a fan of only Jame. And I think that, including myself people are friend, fans of drake rather than the fans of the genre like i don't think people are actually fans of pop can necessarily but they'll listen to it because it's a drake song you know and i think that's as a good a message as anything else it just means that you you just got to be your brand rather than like you said you don't want to put yourself in a box because you know what if tomorrow you wanted to do uh soul music you would just do soul music, just do it because it's you, you know what I mean? So I think that that allows you the flexibility and it also gives your fans a bit of leeway. Like they will also be like, he's just doing his thing. We don't know what we're going to expect. It, it'll be interesting and it'll be good, but it will be different. And that's, that's essentially the branding. And I'm a huge fan of that type of branding. Oh, that's great. And I hope that uh, I hope that this is not our last interview because I enjoyed it. It definitely won't be. The, the only thing you got to do is make sure you come down to Australia so we can do this in person. Because I don't know about you, but tech issues and the whole thing, um, I can live without them. And face to face, it is way easier. And also you can do a tour down here. That'd be awesome. Um, I think everyone, especially, you know, in Australia, we're just hanging out to to go to concerts and live life again. Yes, honestly, uh, I do have a decent size in Australia. So, like, I do have some fans out there, and I, I would love to go to Australia. You know, um, I see you guys. You guys are really in the hip-hop world anyway, so I think that's cool, like, in, in American artists. Yeah, it's really recent, to be honest, in probably the last 10 to 12 years, in my opinion. Like, uh, I remember in high school, I was one of the only people into hip-hop, and now I can see you know, young people into hip, like I'm 27. So I'm not, it's not like um, I'm an old man, but like I can feel like people in their, you know, teenage years in their early twenties being really into hip hop. And I think the evolution of like, you know, like you said, your Drake's, the social media technology and pop music has started to take beats from hip hop. I think they've started to do features with artists. And I think all of that, has started to be like what I thought was hip hop is not actually hip hop and everyone's just gravitated towards it. 
Yes, yes, I completely agree. Well, man, as I said, absolute pleasure to have you on the show. Um, also, make sure you check him out. Only Jamie. I was going to say Jamie. I actually asked him before we started recording how to say his name. So if you think it's only Jamie, that's okay. I made that mistake as well. Um, but, man, as I said, pleasure to have you on. Is there anything that you wanted to shout out, anything that you wanted to plug before we finish up? Uh, no, nah, man. It, um, if you enjoyed anything that you listened to, just go ahead and check out my music. Look at my videos. I think that uh, anybody who's a fan of hip hop music or or anything like similar to it, alternative, anything, just go check out my videos. I think you'll enjoy them. And you can find him on YouTube, obviously, um, and hit him up on IG. You heard that he interacts with fans. So if you like his stuff, make sure you let him know and, and give him the support that he deserves as well. Thanks for listening to the show. Please like and subscribe and follow me on Instagram at the underscore hip hop hustle for upcoming podcast news also don't forget to check out my patreon under hip hop hustle for exclusive content and to help support the show bye for now